Day two of the World Championships in Barcelona then, and not Britain's finest day. Uh, not Certainly not as good as the first day, but we'll come to that in a minute. This is the second day's Pool Boy podcast. I'm Steve Buckley. I've got on the line, hopefully, uh, former GB swimmer Katie Wild. Katie, are you there? Hello. Yep, we've got Katie. That's good. And also, we're joined tonight by former BBC Five live swimming correspondent, Bob Ballard. Hello, Bob. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Well, now I'm a little bit depressed, but we'll come on to that, no doubt, later in our chat. Good. Well, it was a, a good session of swimming tonight, if not necessarily from Britain. But the big story that we need to talk about first is uh, the quite staggering world record from Ruta Mulatiti, who trains down there in Plymouth with John Rudd. She uh, swam quite beautifully. Bob, what did you make of it? How composed is she for her age? I mean, we saw what she did at the Olympics, not phased in any way, shape or form. And to do a 29.97 first 50, I was screaming at the television, go, go sub 50, go sub 30, go sub 30 on your first 50. And she did, 29.97. And you thought, well, you know, she's up against FMOVA, who might come back at her. She did come back at her. But in the end, she beat FMOVA by a full second. 104.35 new world record, FMOVA 105.29. You know, that's a massive, distance between two world-class swimmers well it is and uh, i was so impressed with as you say the way she attacked it um but she got such a fantastic start as well her reaction time 0.59 i think they, they said it was which is just incredible for a even for a track start with the new uh, foot panel that's uh, you know a good tenth of a second 0.2 of a second ahead of everyone else in the race it was uh, quite impressive Looks like everything that she's done in terms of preparation for this with John Rudd down in Plymouth has worked very, very well. You can't actually see, at the moment, say I can't see any flaw in her technique, the way she approaches her. The only thing that obviously is still under a bit of question is her finish, which wasn't great in the heats and wasn't great in the, um, in the semifinals either. So just thinking in those terms, uh, just imagine what it's going to be like tomorrow night. I think as well, um, the thing that's really interesting is that you know, she's really, really moving women's breaststroke on. We've got actually four girls under 106, which is pretty unbelievable. You know, and I think she's the one who's pushing them there. I mean, 104.35 is ridiculous, isn't it, when you think about it? You know, we probably didn't think that this time last year we would see a sub-65. And now she's getting down towards 64s. Well, the uh, the, the commentary team, certainly the Eurosport commentary, t- uh, commentary team, all think she's going to go 63 high. Uh, I saw a comment from... From John Rudd on Twitter, he thinks she's got a 63.9 in her tomorrow. So if she gets everything right, who knows? Yeah, I, oh. I think, sorry, sorry, Katie, I think that's what sorry. we're looking at, isn't it? Isn't, is that what we're looking at now? You know, probably a, a 63 high, which, which you know, the, the fact is, if she does that, nobody's going to get close to her. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Um, I mean, I think there is the certain um, point that it's, it's probably a bit easier in semi finals because there's not the pressure of the win. Um, but she's just so calm I don't know how she you know she's relatively new to the international scene and she just takes it all in her stride it doesn't seem to bother her at all well she doesn't feel pressure you use that word pressure which is used a lot in sport used quite a lot in swimming and it seems to me that every time I've seen her swim whether it be a domestic meet or a European meet or a world meet or Olympic meet she doesn't seem to have any pressure or doesn't seem to show any outward signs of pressure maybe inwardly she's churning over but she doesn't show it yeah, she always looks really relaxed and, you know, just like it's it's part of her, her everyday, you know, it's what she's setting out to do and it, it doesn't seem to bother her. No, it's going to be interesting to see what she can do tomorrow. If, if she gets her race right, then, you know, it's it's hers for the taking, really, and it's just how fast she swims. Do you reckon we can claim her as British? 
<laughs> I just wish you'd change. About it keeps every time I see to say, John, come on, John, you can, you can get to change. Sure, he gets a sign a piece of paper, a little wave would say, I'm going to swim. She said, he said, no, there's, there's absolutely no way, especially now, uh, Lithuanian government are so much on top of what she's doing. You know, she's fated. She's virtually royalty in Lithuania now. So uh, I don't think there's any chance. Now, if there was a chance, I don't think there is any chance anymore that she'll change allegiance. Well, we'll take the reflected glory because obviously she, she does train in Britain. She has a British coach. Oh, um, but while well, we're talking about that, that's because we would probably we'll, we'll probably overlook this. Uh, Sarah Showstrom also has a British coach, and she won gold. So we've got uh, you know two British coaches uh, training people from overseas to gold medals. Bob, you, you took my words right out of my mouth. I was just <laughs> I, I was just looking up his name, and uh, and there we go. I think Carl it, Jenner. Yeah. yeah, that's him. It uh, it makes quite a difference, I think, for a, a long time. Um, well, in the not too distant past, Britain was importing coaches from everywhere, and now we've got coaches producing medals for for other countries. So I think it says quite a lot about how our coaching has come on in the last ten years. So that was the the big story of the night, Ruta. Um, if we take a quick look at the the GB performances, and I suppose the big uh, sort of disappointment and the thing we perhaps need to talk about first was was Jazz Carlin in the fifteen hundred heats this morning. She was sixteen oh six four which was obviously quite a way off her, her trials winning time. But then you might expect that in a heat when she's just trying to make it through. But sadly, she was ninth. So she uh, she doesn't get to come back tomorrow for the final. Um, what do we make of that, Katie? A uh, huge disappointment, you know, for, for her and, you know, for Britain. And as, you know, she was, that was probably one of our biggest medal hopes. Um, I mean, looking at the splits, it was just a tired swim the whole way through. But, um, I mean, it's difficult to make the excuse because you have many other girls who who have swum the same program as her so far who managed to pull it together. I mean, in her defence, it's it's a tough one to pace. It's a long one to pace, especially with the cyclical seeding. You know, you can get huge disparity between the heats. Um, but, it, I mean, it's a real shame. Um, I suppose the only thing we can hope is that it fires her up for the 800 and she'll be more rested than the other girls for the 800 and maybe she could produce something special then. I think precisely that is what's going to happen because I think that she's just missed out on the 400, missed out on the final of 1500. The 800 is her optimum event. This is her event. Uh, I just see it's going to really spark her into life. Not that she was lifeless in the heats of the 1500. She just maybe mistimed it or perhaps a lot of freeze threw her off her game plan a little bit by going so fast in the first heat. But I... You know, seeing the way that Jazz has come through all the adversity of last year and doing what she has done thus far in 2013, I can only see a really stoked up Jazz Carlin going in the 800 heat. And I still think she'll get a medal in that. I really do. I think the 800 is her optimum event. And I think it's the one that she will really show us the true Jazz Carlin later in the week. Yeah, I agree. I th- I'd concur with both of you. I think two years ago in, in Shanghai, we saw the impact that swimming you know, four or 15 and, and then the eight, can have on you i think uh, lossy freeze looked very tired in the 800 end of that week and i think perhaps not swimming the 1500 final when ledecky and, and freeze are both going to be in there could actually play to jazz's advantage so with a bit of luck we'll see her um getting uh getting her mojo back if you like later in the week in the 800 meters um staying with the heats quickly uh we also had the, the women's 100 breaststroke sophie allen went uh, probably half a mind on the 200 medley from for this evening 68.63s quite a way down on her trials time but but perhaps wasn't a bad thing in the context of this evening uh, any thoughts I, I was expecting something more I think considering how good she'd looked on the breaststroke leg of the medley but then again if her focus is on the 200 which I, I think she she was in with the chance of a medal um I think it must be quite hard to switch the focus indeed but um 
I think she's done for the week now. I think the final of the 200 medley tonight was, was her last swim. Uh, Maybe medley, really? Uh, yes, I don't she, know if so she, that. She, yeah, there is a British team there, so hopefully well, she'll get a chance to, uh, to swim again at the end of the week. Uh, men's 100 backstroke, we had Chris Walker-Hebben, uh, 54-2 this morning, and then a 53-9 this evening for 12th place, so he missed out on the final. Uh, Bob, I think I think you were keeping a close eye on Chris and what he might achieve. Yeah, I'm afraid Chris always seems to disappoint in these situations. They made the same reference in commentary on the BBC tonight. And, you know, you look at it, he did 53-3-8 at trials, which would comfortably have got him in the final of that event. He does 53-9-6 for sixth in his semi-final. So he's over half a second slower than he was in Sheffield. Had he got the time that he did only, what, four weeks ago, he would have been in that final on Tuesday night. And he does it time and time again. And it doesn't matter which coach he's in, which program he's in. I'm afraid he just doesn't step up to the plate at the big events. He's fine domestically. He'll do it domestically. He did it in the 100 and the 200 in, in Sheffield. He'll do it fine. But when it comes to the big occasion, I'm afraid that there's just something missing there that doesn't take him over the line. What do you reckon, Katie? What's the what's the difference? Do you think swimming trials at Sheffield and then going to a big meet and, and having to re- reproduce that form? I mean, we've obviously got the odd trials to to meet situation this year, but no, it's a it's a problem that we have. Yeah, I think. Um, well, this morning, you know, I think Chris was fastest out of, of everyone in the whole of the heats, and I think he swam a smarter race tonight. You know, he was a lot. Um, he went out. You know, a, he sort of paced himself a lot better on the way out and came back a lot stronger. But it, I mean, it just wasn't enough. And in a race that's actually I mean, it's not that fast. You know, the other guys, it's not like people are, are dropping huge times in that event. And, you know, he, he ought to be among them. But but unfortunately, it just wasn't enough tonight. Well, we'll see him in the 200 later in the week, see if he can uh, get something back there. Well, my uh, prediction is that Craig McNally will go faster than him in that as well. Well, we shall, we shall wait and see. And, uh, and we'll hopefully, we'll, hopefully both of them will swim faster and, uh, and we can mm-hmm. get a couple of guys through. Uh, we also had the women's version of that event. Georgia Davis didn't make it through the heat, 61-61. I think she'll be disappointed with that, and certainly her Twitter suggested that was how she was feeling. Uh, not a good day for, for Georgia, but she's got the 50 lotion of the week, possibly her better event of the of the, of the uh, the two, uh, even if it is the, the non-Olympic one. Uh, but Lauren Quigley, on her World Championship debut, she made it through from the heat, 61.2, uh, dropped that to a 60.9. Uh, in the semi-final, 12, so out of the final. But again, no, 0.9 off her, her trials time, 60.07. She's from in Sheffield. And maybe she doesn't quite fall into the same category being it's her, her World Championship debut, but perhaps hoping for a bit more? I think she's very ambitious, and you know, I'm a big fan of Lauren. I think um, she's a really hard worker, and I think she's going to do something amazing in the future. Um, maybe it's just a bit too soon, and it is a shame that she couldn't get down to that trials time, but I just think she's got so much potential. And maybe we'll see something from her in the medley relay as well, because um, I think she'll I think she'll really want to improve on that. Well, she's got the 50 back and the 200 back to come this week, so she's got the full programme. So uh, we'll look out for her later in the week. Um the the pick of the British swims from today though, uh, I think they came in the men's two hundred free. Ewan Lloyd, not quite on, on song. He wasn't far off his season's best, but quite well off his PB. Didn't make it out of the heats in twenty second. But probably the Robbie Rennick showing the way how you swim a heat. Uh, fastest qualifier got the frustration out from the four hundred last night. One forty six eight eight lane four in semi final two, job done. And then he followed that up slightly slower, but one forty six nine five safety through to the final in fourth. Um, and 
that, that event didn't look as strong as I thought it would. I think he's got an outside chance of a medal. Bob, what do you reckon? Well, he's eight one-hundredths behind uh, bronze medal at the moment, where Hagino was only eight one-hundredths quicker than Robbie was in the semi-final. And Robbie, as you said, went slower in the semi than he did in the heat. And I think there is a bit more to come from Robbie, to be absolutely honest. And um, I know the commentators I was listening to were a little bit concerned that he left it a little bit late. But when he did come, uh, he came with a good rush at the end. I think he might pace it slightly differently in the final. Uh, Lochte obviously looked quite strong. Uh, Isatov, I don't know. I've got a funny feeling about Isatov. Might oh, this will come back to bite me in the bum, I'm sure. But you know, he hasn't won a gold at this level yet. He's got silvers. He's got bronzes. He hasn't yet got the big one when it counts. And although he's got the fastest time in the world this year, will he pull it out in the final? We'll have to see. I, th- I think Robbie has got got a chance. Uh, I mean, I don't think he'll be he'll be too concerned with Higino. Obviously, he'll be concerned with Isatov and with Lochte. Um, but uh, I, th- I think there's definitely a bronze up for grabs. And if Robbie swims it smart, and we know he's a, he's a very smart swimmer, uh, then that could be the, the the bonus bronze, if you like, that we maybe weren't anticipating. I think um, I I, th- I really think Robbie is one of our most underappreciated sort of underrated swimmers he he consistently performs at the big events and I think this is a really important thing about a year you know following the Olympic year the beginning of the cycle you can either see it as you know an odd year maybe a year for a bit of a rest it's just going to be a strange year or you can see it as a chance and I think Robbie is one of those swimmers who's seeing it as a chance and he's taking the chance and um, I think maybe that's where where some other people are going wrong are going wrong they see you know, it's the year after the Olympics, or it's a bit difficult. Whereas Robbie's like, right, some people have retired. I'm just going to take this chance while it's here. Mm. Six two years ago, I think he'll improve on that tomorrow night. Indeed. Well, he was one of the the success stories in London. Really, he improved through every round. Set a British record one forty five nine nine in the final in London. And I think if he can get near that, maybe sneak under it, then he's certainly in with a shout. So. Uh, here's hoping for Robbie tomorrow. Yeah, I think Hagino as well. If you look how fast he came back, half a second faster than anyone else. I mean, uh, half a second faster than the next fastest person, but, you know, almost a second faster than anyone else on his last 50. I think he could be a threat and one to watch out for tomorrow. Promises to be a good race. I I don't think it's going to be tremendously fast, but I think in some ways that'll make it more interesting. So uh, fingers crossed for Robbie. Let's just round out the, the British swimmers from today. Um, the two girls who went in the 200 individual medley final, Sophie Allen, uh, she set an English record yesterday, 210.23. A little bit outside that, 211.32 tonight for seventh. And Siobhan Marie O'Connor, who was a late sneak into the outside lane when somebody withdrew, she was eighth in a 212.03. And I think people might look at Siobhan's time in particular and say, oh, 212, she's two seconds off her best, you know, one and a half seconds off her best, you know, what's going on? But for me, she really attacked that race. She did what she had to do. She had an outside lane. Um, she had absolutely nothing to lose, probably no illusions that, that she was like to get on the podium in her current form. So she thought, why not? I'm not going to die wondering. I'll give it a go. Uh, and fair play to her for that. Second at 50, second at 160.2 at halfway she was. And I'm looking at it thinking, wow, 60.2 at halfway. That's pretty decent. And then she fell away. You know, they were talking about her breaststroke being very strong, and we know it is. Um, and I thought her free time was, was generally quite strong, but she obviously just put too much into the first part of the race and uh, didn't have a thing on the back end, which is, which is a real shame. Because I say, you know, 60.2, second place at halfway, and we're all starting to think, well, maybe uh, this is it. And Sophie, after setting that English record, a lot slower. I mean, what was she about? Uh, eight tenths of a second slower, something like that, from from the previous night, and that that is my concern. Is you know, she obviously had the, the proper preparation because she knew she was going to be in it anyway, 
Um, quite where a second went from, from semi-finals to finals, I'm not quite sure. Well, if you look at the splits, I think it's really on the first half of the race because she came back in a very similar time um, to the semi-final. She was the fastest breaststroker in the race by over half a second. And so she, she made the ground back there. But um, I think she'd just given herself too much to do, really. And, and only she will know how she felt on that first 100 and, and, and why that was. I think both of the girls, um, their freestyle splits let them down slightly. And, you know, obviously it's really tough at the end of the race, but you've got girls coming back in 30 point and, you know, 32 is just really difficult to compete with that. Well, and one of those people, the, the top, Katinka, Katinka Hoshu, she won the gold in a 207.9, came back in a 31. Uh, oh. And I'm really pleased to, to see her win because she's been going around meets and missing out here, there and everywhere and swimming no ludicrous schedules and she pulled out of the 100 backstroke after this morning clearly with an eye on this final uh, and it worked for her and she she looked very good winning that by uh, over a second hopefully her 400 won't be quite as good though <laughs> <laughs> yeah and well, Alicia Coote another silver medal for her as well you know she's right. got a, a busy program this week um, she, another one for her she has indeed right there's we touched on it just then talking about the heat swimming um and and how it's been a, a long-standing problem, perhaps, for Britain swimmers, you know, reproducing their best in the morning to make sure they can make it through to the evening swims. Robbie Rennick showed the way it was done. James Guy yesterday showed the way it's done. You know, you, you put it all out there in the morning and you get the swim in the evening. Uh, Bob, I know this is a, a particular bugbear of yours. W- what do you reckon? Well, I, I wonder whether we need to look at maybe abolishing semi-finals for our uh, domestic meets and saying to people, right, we're going to take out semi-finals and you're going to go straight heats to finals. So you have to swim fast in the morning or she will not make that final in the evening um, and, and, and make it tough love. Because I just think that there's too much of a comfort zone, especially with domestic heats, where people go, oh, I can go through this, I can sail through this, I know I've got plenty of room to spare, and on most occasions they do. And it doesn't set them up properly for semi-finals because I think the mindset and maybe the body setup is not right for the semi-finals. If you're going to, I don't want to say put it all on the likes, you don't want, you don't want to go into a, an evening swim knackered. But it seems that, you know, pe- when people are swimming so much under the time they did at the trials, you think, well, there's obviously a lot more in the tank unless you're not well or you haven't prepared properly. Why is that bit of what's still in the tank not being shown or being displayed when you need it most? Katie, I think that sounds like a really good idea. I think it's similar to what the Americans do. You know, you can still have A, B, C and D finals if you want, but you can only qualify from the A final. And I think, you know, we do have a few people who sadly consistently you know, even domestically, they might perform poorly in the heats and then save it all up for the final. And you just can't do that on this kind of stage. Katie, as a swimmer, what, what is it about swimming in the morning that people don't like? I mean, you know, I, I've never swum at an international level, clearly. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I go to, to Masters meets, whatever, and you swim in the morning and I swim PBs in the morning. So, so you know, what is it about the, the, the upper level of the sport that, that make people find it difficult to swim in the morning? I think... I don't know so much if it is actually the time of day. I think it's, you know, to do with the atmosphere of the finals. There is something different about a final session. You know, um, I mean, whether it's just the fact that there are spectators there, if you're in a um, a home meet, you know, no one really tends to turn up to the heat, heat session. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's that we're just more awake. I don't know if it's that you're more pumped up because you feel like it matters more when you get towards a final. Um, it's a really difficult one, but I mean, the fact remains that you just you just have to pull it out of the bag. And if we're not training to pull it out of the bag in the morning, then we're just going to be consistently disappointed when we get to these these big meets. 
Because I'm looking at the Americans and the Australians who are in Barcelona and their time clocks are all over the place. The Americans are swimming what will be three, four o'clock in the morning to them. The Australians are obviously swimming in the evening in their body clock. They've obviously had little time to adjust probably since they got to Barcelona. But they're knocking out really good times in the morning and backing it up in the semifinals and then onto the finals. So they're doing it when their body clock's all over the place. We don't have that excuse. It's a one-hour adjustment that we have. So why can they do it and we can't? I hope that they're, they've been over here long enough that hopefully they're, they've sort of sorted out the body clock, is, clock issues because I think some of them have been over here for, for some weeks now. But, I mean, there, there shouldn't be an excuse. I don't know if it's because, I don't know, the Americans' trials are more competitive, so they have to push it more in the morning. But um, it's not really good enough, is it? Well, it's, it doesn't seem to be a new problem. Um, it's something that's, that's been around for a long time, and, and hopefully, it's something that will, you know, will start to work on and improve. Perhaps, as you say, Bob, to, uh, abolishing semi-finals at the trials that might help, particularly if you've only got a five-day meet to squeeze the whole thing into. Um, but but we'll see. It's well, we, we did have, we did have the ridiculous situation in Sheffield quite a few times where there weren't enough people really to make up a decent. Uh, lineup of heats so people were pretty much automatically going through to semi-finals you might have 18 people in the event and obviously 16 of those made it through so you didn't have to swim hard in the morning because you knew you're going to make it through now when i talked to, to bill furness about this he said well we need to replicate what we need to do in barcelona that i understand but most of the people who knew they were going to make the final really were not pushing the boat out. And J James Gullard, for example, in the 200 back effects, in the end, he didn't make it, as, as it turned out. But when he did the heats of the 200, he swam for the first 100 and basically free, went, went freewheeling for the, the second 100 because he knew he'd still get the time. So, so, what, so what good does that do? You know, when you get to Barcelona, you can't do that. So if you're trying to replicate that, sure you should be replicating how you're going to swim in the heats in Barcelona. I well, think it's tough as well because you've got, uh, you know, your eye at that point is on the prize, which is your place on the team. And you want to give yourself the best chance of getting on the team. And if that means conserving energy because you can, then I suppose that seems like the best course of action. But it is, you know, it's not something that's going to work when you get to Barcelona. No, it's it, but you've got to get into that mindset. Sure, as well. So we're only four weeks out as our trials were five weeks out from the world. Surely you want to get into that mindset straight away. So, right, okay, then five weeks time, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to be thinking. And this is what I need to achieve. You know, and people people are coming up very short on the times they were doing in Sheffield. And that's what I don't get is it's consistent thing. Again, I thought maybe it'd be one or two, but we're seeing, you know, more than one or two. In fact, the examples of people who haven't done it are easier to, to, to isolate than those who haven't. People who are three quarters of a second slower than they were, in Sheffield, nine tenths of a second slower than they were in Sheffield. You know, whether that's getting the taper wrong or what, I don't know. But the fact is, you know, they're not doing comparable times. How many PBs have we seen in the first two days? Two. Well, I made it three, but the point remains. Just three? Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the point remains. And, I, and we could probably discuss this for hours and, and not solve the problem. So I think we'll draw a veil over that discussion for now and look ahead to what's coming up on day three for Great Britain. We've got uh, probably the, the shortest heats session in terms of only being four events in the morning so we've got uh, men's 50 breaststroke we didn't select anyone directly for that as uh, as people will know but ross murdoch he's got another chance to swim uh perhaps a 
a little bit disappointed with his 100, but he's got another chance to see, show what he can do. I know Ross is someone that you were keeping an eye on, Bob. So uh, yeah. what do you reckon for his 50? Yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, impressed by Ross. Uh, obviously, he didn't do quite as well as I hoped he would do in the 100 because I had him down f- uh, certainly as a finalist and a potential possible medalist because uh, I just thought he might just escape the uh, the clutches of um, a few of the others who didn't know too much about him. But the 50 breast, of course, he's a Scottish record holder now in that event. And I will be very surprised if he doesn't make the semi-finals. And again, obviously, depending on what else is around him, he's, I think he stands a decent chance of making a final as well. Not sure about a medalist in the 50 breast, but I think Ross is certainly one of our talents for the future, as he's proved over the last 12 months. And I think, uh, yeah, definitely semi-final and hopefully a final for Ross. So after Ross, we've got the women's 200 metres freestyle. That's Ellie Faulkner. She's going in that for Britain. Uh, had a bit of a disappointing swim yesterday morning in the 400. I know she was very unhappy with what she produced, but um, a chance to redeem herself. What do you see happening there, Casey? Um, I mean, it really depends how she takes it. You know, you can you can let a, a swim get you down or you can take away from it. You know, it was a bad swim. What can I learn from it? And, and bounce back and really bring it for the next race. So I, I, think, I think women's 200 free it can be extremely competitive or, you know, they, there's a chance. So um, I know, you know, Ellie's, Ellie's produced it at domestic meets and it would be great to see her do it tomorrow. Entry time's 158.42, so she's going to have to be on her best to get the top 16. I think you're absolutely right there, Bob. Uh, that takes us to the men's 200 fly, Roberto Pavoni. That's probably the weakest of his three events this week, but a chance for him to get in and, and put in a time in the morning. Uh, I think he'll have a tough call to make it through to the evening in that event, to be completely honest, but um, I'd be delighted to be proved wrong. I don't know if anyone thinks differently. Wonder why they didn't put Michael Rock in there. I don't think team. I don't think Rocky wanted to swim it. I'll be completely oh, honest. Okay. I don't think he's right. I don't think he's been doing the training for it. He swam it in um, in Sheffield, obviously in the heats. He didn't swim the rest of it. And and the the message I got was that um, he didn't feel he could swim three rounds of a two hundred and then still put together a good one hundred. So I think he's saving okay. himself for the sprint. But we'll see him right. in the week. Let's see what Robbie can do. I mean, you know, he's he's always confident going into these. Uh, you're right, it's going to be a, a very tough course on his main event by any means. But um, hopefully he'll give it a good go. Uh, he hasn't got the, the trappings of what he had in London, being the, the first swimmer in the pool, um, or in the first event anyway in, in London 2020. He doesn't have that around his neck this time. He's seen the rest of the team kind of get it underway, so he won't uh, have all that pressure on his uh, on his shoulders this time. And the last set of heats tomorrow morning, the men's 800 freestyle, Dan Fogg. He's backing up from his 10-kilometre swim last week. Uh, see whether he's, he's managed to, to clear himself from that. Uh, did you ever swim 10 kilometres, Katie? Oh, God, never. <laughs> <laughs> far too far for me. But um, I don't know. I'd like It'll probably feel like a sprint to him after that 10K. Um, hopefully he can, because I know he's really disappointed after the 10K, but, you know, he'll probably feel like he's got loads of room all in the lane of his own rather than grappling with however many people scratching and pushing. So um, hopefully, you know, he's such a hard worker. And I know, you know, same with um, Robbie Pavoni, you know, the training with Kevin in the ITC in Loughborough. And they, they work so hard and hopefully it will pay off. Look at the time that he did in Sheffield, which is I think so what seven fifty one or something like that. Well, that's, that's his um, his best time. I think it's about eighth overall from all the entrants for that event. So, providing that he's on the mark, I think he should get through to the final. Well, we'll wait and see how that ten kilometres has affected him in the morning. Uh, and then, of course, we've already spoken about Robbie Rennick. He's back in tomorrow evening for the final, and uh, he's the only finalist to make it through from tonight. So there might be uh, some of the semi finalists to join him, but uh, we'll keep a close eye on Robbie. It's been uh, it's been good talking to you both. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Bob. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. And uh, we will hopefully be back 
tomorrow with the day three podcast, a similar sort of time of day. In the meantime, if you've got any comments or questions, you can tweet me at poolboy or you can go to www.poolboy.co.uk forward slash contact and send me an email that way. And we'll be back with you tomorrow.